Loaded sport. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. Oh, God, <laughs> what a scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck the lot of you. <laughs> Tom Naylor's going to be the nailed on holding midfielder, so it's just too good. Unbelievable. Hello, and welcome to episode 72 of the new and improved Loaded Sport. We've had a little bit of a business meeting this week, and we've decided to make some changes to the usual layout to give you something new and, like I just said, improved and hopefully a more engaging product and something that not only you will enjoy, but will enjoy doing too. So, we are scrapping the previous format of talking about the current happenings in the sporting world and reviewing and previewing what's happened and what's going to be happening between this and the next episode. And instead, we are going to start each bringing a question to the table for us all to discuss our opinions and hopefully fall out and have a go at Adam when he brings the most ridiculous answers to the table. So before we get stuck into it and you will very quickly and what the new format is going to be, I will, of course, introduce our team sam first of all mate how are you mate how's your week been yeah good mate good raring to go brand new uh style of episode so it's uh yeah it's like a new beginning let's uh, let's have it it is mate and we've tried to have a bit of a play about with the settings to have everyone in view at all times which should hopefully reduce the amount of messing about um, but we won't know if it's worked until the uh, the recording drops in the inbox later tonight. So uh, everyone on your best behaviour. And I've said that there because that's mainly aimed at Sam. Um, a guy that we have absolutely no worries or concerns on whether he's going to be dropping any body parts out or showing any inappropriate pictures. Aggie, the best behaved of the bunch. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm, I'm glad that we are very quickly approaching the weekend. Yeah, same. I've gone for very different. I've, you're going to be disappointed to know that I've dropped the uh, the headband theme and I've started putting hair bubbles in now. And as Sam pointed out yesterday in our group chat, I've started wearing it as uh, David Beckham circa oh, Real Madrid or oh, Sam making the claim. Surprised Kemp's ears aren't picked up. He's, uh, he's clearly not paying attention. Kemp is paying attention. He just can't believe it. Yeah, that's as about as about you going fuck your head, eh, Kemp? What? <laughs> Adam, who who made that claim? Uh, Sam made the compliments. So that's the one I paid more attention to. <laughs> ah, that's about right. Um, who compared it to a uh, a prime Real Madrid David Beckham? Though? That would be uh, Tom Kemp. That would be Tom Kemp. So uh, just check back on your wording again, mate. There's a, there's a theme of that running through the day today, hashtag Jerno. But anyway, let's move on because the man that is sat there patiently waiting and potentially on screen wondering what's going on when this episode is released <laughs> in the very near future, Mr. Thomas Kemp. How are you, my friend? Mr. Dawson, Mr. White, man with the mic, you David Beckham Galacticos looking sloot you. I am <laughs> very well. Thank you on this Thursday evening as we record Peek Behind the Curtain. Looking forward to the weekend. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into what's what's going on. But yeah, very excited about the new dawn of Loaded Sport. And uh, I'm sure there'll be some fiery conversation in Loaded Sport tonight. So hopefully everybody enjoys and hopefully uh, hopefully nobody falls out too badly. Well, we never know, mate. If one I of us is missing that. an episode... Yeah, anyone's missing in episode 73, it's because we fell out over the next hour or so, but we'll soon find out. So basically the format is this. Each week... We will each bring one question to the table. It could be football-related, it could be NFL-related, it could be anything sports-related, it could be sports films, whatever you want, as long as it relates to sport. It could be current, historical, whatever you want to discuss. 
We will then each give our answers to that question and obviously discuss further based on the answers and the reasons why. So the order in which we're going to do it has been determined by the trusty wheel. It has made its comeback. We've dusted it off since we put it in the in the loft following our lock scores and wild cards. And the first person to kick us off in the new era of loaded sport is Mr. Sam White. <sighs> Let's have you. Come on. First up, setting a precedent start as we mean to go on. Very first question of the new format. Okay, so you are a multi-billionaire. Money is no object to you. If you're looking to buy a football team that has to be in the Football League or Premier League, so no National League and below, which team are you buying and why? Aggie, I'm going to you first. Good question. I'm going to go with Blackburn Rovers. I think it's going to be my choice. Blackburn! See you later, lads. I'm off. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a new era of Odin Spot, everybody. We'll see you next week for episode 73. Why Blackburn, mate? Why? Come on. Um, I've gone with Blackburn because, of course, the history of the Premier League, having won it before, quite a bit of history in Europe. Done a bit of, like, obviously a downward uh, spiral at the moment. 17th in the Championship, really struggling. So I feel that I'd be able to take over that club try and steady the ship and help, you know, get them back on the up to their their, their, their previous successes. Looking at the manager's aspect of things, because I've gone that in depth about this, I'm going to look at either Neil Warnock as a short-term option or Chris Wilder as a longer-term get option. Out. I think this he's is quite back through this, or, or, or are you? What's happening here? <laughs> Jesus. Got Eki, got Eki on backup, just in case. Uh, I have Eki and Phil McCall coming in, just in case they say no. Can't believe he didn't say John Sheridan there. <laughs> no, um, all that until the inevitable happens and Everton sacks Sean Dyche and then he's oh going to take God. it back to the top of the Premier League. But yeah, I think Blackburn have had it quite rough since, uh, well, the last you, what, Can you say so. Blackburn, please? Can you address Blackburn. them properly? Blackburn. We've had you said. Blackburn. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got a theory as to why Ags picked Blackburn. Go Rivers, on. By the way, go on. So the last time somebody like a local bloke come in, took over his club, put a footload of money in, into it, and and got him to the promised land was Jack Walker in the early nineties, right? Ags looked at all this foreign investment and thought, <laughs> "Don't want any of that." Proper British box. men, proper yeah. British men investing in football clubs, and Ags took yeah. the lead on Jack Walker. So Ag thinks yeah. he's Jack Walker reincarnated. I reckon, to be fair, <laughs> probably on some of there. Yeah, they've had a lot of success in the past. So take him back today. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's a decent answer, mate. To be fair, um, bit. Uh, I don't, I don't know about uh, you boys, but Blackburn for me just seems like a fucking dead team at the minute. And f- fair play for you to exactly. pick your name. Fair play you've to not, you. You've not heard them. mine yet, lad. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Wow, okay. Fuck's <laughs> yeah. sake. Go on then, Kemper. You go next. Who are you gone for? So I've gone with something a little bit different. I'm not thinking about fame, glory, or titles like that selfish prick egg. I'm thinking about football heritage and, and the fact that this club was stripped away from its fans um, and moved many, many miles away. Uh, So the club that I would like to purchase with all my money, Mr. White, uh, is AFC Wimbledon. Ooh, that's a good one. That is a good one. The reason that I've gone for AFC Wimbledon is because about, well, not this time last year, about 10 months ago, my work's Christmas due was actually at the MK Stadium where the MK Dons play. 30,000 seat of stadium, really, really nice facility. 
but it's just soulless. Even when there were no fans in there, you could just tell it was completely soulless. And, yeah. the, and the owner of MK Dons, literally, he bought Wimbledon um, and he, he ripped the heart and soul out of the club, moved it to Milton Keynes. Nobody wanted it. He started a Phoenix club, obviously, FC Wimbledon, who are doing pretty well now um, in League Two and, the, and they're doing okay. They've just moved into a new stadium. So that's, you know, it looks good for them in that respect. But I just think the fans that were robbed of, you know, Wimbledon were in the Premier League. You know, yeah. not too long ago, Wimbledon were in the Premier League. So you look at the fans that were robbed of their club, essentially, and I just feel really, really sorry for them. I think they've got a really decent history. Um, they were a really good club, a, a, a crazy, quirky club back in the day. If you remember Crazy Gang. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, like a really crazy, quirky club that that was always for the fans. Um, and their their shit house of an owner basically took it all away from them. So for me, being the good Samaritan that I am, um, I want to bring AFC Wimbledon back to the forefront and uh, and reinvest back in football in Wimbledon. So that's my uh, that's why my decisions made there. I, I don't think uh, one sec again. I'll, I'll come to you after this one, yeah. but I don't I don't think uh, I don't think your answer is gonna, probably going to be top there, Kemp. And uh, just when you mentioned it, crazy Yang there. I've just straight away remembered the story of uh, Cluffy going to his uh, into his bloke saying, "You go down there, son, and tell it, tell them not to go and turn that music down." They got boombox into the dressing room. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, he's got. It's gone down. It's turned it down. Five minutes later, music's even like twice as loud as the before. <laughs> it goes in. He fucking smashes it against wall. Cluffy does. He goes, "I fuck. I told you not to turn it down." <laughs> Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones. Everyone's just stood there thinking, "What the fuck? <laughs> it's, it's, it's Cluffy. Like, didn't did, did what to do." Fucking brilliant. Just remind me of that couldn't say crazy gang there. Yes, Kim, what were you going to say, mate? It was just a very quick question for Kemp. Uh, Aggie obviously mentioned uh, potential managerial appointments that he'd make. I'm, I'm assuming, Kemp, that there's only one man for the job, and it is a name mentioned by Sam there, and it's the return of Vinnie Jones to lead them back to the top. <laughs> No, fortunately not. I would want to be a fairly serious owner, and I think bringing Vinnie <laughs> Jones in would. I think my first action as owner bringing Vinnie Jones in might make me a bit of a joke. So I think I would go with Steve Evans to take over. Um, classic Steve Evans at Wembley running down the touchline. If anybody remembers that for Rotherham, uh, yeah. about forty stone running his little heart out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Steve Evans has proven that he's he's quite a decent manager in the lower leagues, and I think he he's he's really good to kind of get a fan base rallying around him as well and get that good feeling back in the club. And that's what I'd want to be as an owner. So Steve Evans, I think, would be my first choice. Good answer, mate. Very good answer. I promise you now, though, if he's um, if he is truly 40 stone, like you said, he definitely hasn't got a little art. It'd be very, very enlarged, I think. <laughs> mate, mate, I tell you now, I tell you now, I don't know what art he's got, but it's sufficient as fuck because he ran <laughs> right down that touchline. <laughs> you say Malta run for his money then, yeah. <laughs> Right, skin. Um, second to second to last. Uh, who are you going for, me, mate? Yes. Yeah, so um, this is not my team, but um, new uh, goal. The film. I don't know if any of you will have seen it. Santiago oh, yeah. Munez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously based around Newcastle, and one of the lines in the film about it is around the selling him the dream of the city and the culture and the football club uh, was that there's own. Manchester have got two teams, Liverpool's got two teams, London's obviously got several teams and a lot of major cities up and down the country have got multiple teams, but in Newcastle there's only one. Slap pot hole, uh, plot twist, or plot hole, sorry, because they've got Gateshead, but anyway. Um, and and a big team, very similar to what Aggie said there, that have dropped down the levels compared to where they once were and things like that. And, and also the idea of culture and city and one team. Um, and I landed on Sunderland. Okay. Now, Sunderland are a team as well. 
been in the Premier League, been relatively successful, dropped down in recent years. They, they went as low as League One. Obviously, I was at the playoff final a couple of years ago. They got back into the Championship and they've seemed to have stabilised stabilized themselves in the Championship and are in around the playoffs, um, despite it being very early into the season. So I want to give you a few stats, lads, if you wouldn't mind, as to of what course. sort of led me to that. So always. a very, very strong fan base. Um, the last season that they had in League One, which was what... Th- two and a bit years ago now, they averaged an attendance of 33,000 in yeah. League One. Um, that was 10,000 more than the team in second place, which is obviously such a massive percentage difference. Um, last season, which was the first season back in the Championship, they averaged 39,000, which is 11,000 more than second place. And then this season so far, again, early doors, but they're averaging 41.6K as an average home attendance, which is 6,000 more than Leeds in second place. So if that doesn't tell you everything about the culture, the, the meaning to the club, to still be pulling in 33,000 when you're in League One, it speaks volumes for the for the investment from the fans. Um, also, that 41.6K that they're averaging so far this season would put them eighth in the Premier League if they were in the Premier League, which is, again, Brilliant. says everything. So I think... You, with the correct investment being you know very savvy and, and the business plan you're going to get buy-in from the fans and yeah I, I think based on your questions I'm having that money and, and really rebuilding a club I think Sunderland's a great shout based on those uh, those figures that I've given you there it's a fantastic shout and you know what they actually come into my my thought process as well uh, when I was thinking about this uh, this question and what club to pick and and they did come into my head for the exact reason you mentioned with the with the Newcastle there it's same sort of logic that I think Sheikh Mansour said with when he took over City he wanted someone to rival that one one team United in that city and I did kind of think the same so yeah I think it's a banging suggestion and and uh, in regards to their uh, fan attendance it's funny you say that because uh, last season Obviously, I had a conversation with Kemp, and I, I said our good Derby's um, Derby's home attendance was like is last year. Say we were in League One, and it pissed yeah. me off every single week because I'd always check on Twitter. I'd always see it was average attendance in the football league. Always looking for Derby. We're always around top three, and I'm thinking we can get one day. We can get one day, and it were always fucking Sunderland at top. I kept thinking you bastards. They, they never, never once. I think every single time they were at home, there were there were no shaking them from number one. So yeah, it's uh, I can definitely back you up on the attendance. They've uh, they have been fantastic. Which I guess leads me uh, last but not least. So I am going for a bit more of a boring one compared to you boys. You've all gone quite romantic, um, quite, Re- rebuild, you know, rebuild. Um, yeah. you, you're bringing a team <clears throat> up to where they, they feel like they should be. I'm just trying to pile on the success here, <laughs> and I'm going for Tottenham Hotspurs. Pure, Ooh. pure the reason. I think this. I think they're established and they're there. The team is fully set up to go. <laughs> They, they fully fully sell to take the next step, I think. And I, I, Daniel Levy, as we all know, is not really the most liked man in football. So yeah. negotiating with him to try and buy the club off him for one, I think I'm I'm, I'm pissing it. Money's straight. not an object, mate. Money's not an object. Even still, it. It, even yeah. still, I still think it'll be a fucking yeah. nightmare. I could offer yeah. him ten billion to buy a club, and I still think he won't won't accept first offer. So I think I'm fighting a losing battle trying to trying to take the club off for him. But I just think they've obviously got the new stadium, which is probably the best stadium in England, bar Wembley. Um, I, I think as a, as a, as a, as an actual unit, I think it's probably a bit better than Wembley. Best, I think It's the best, best bus facility in England, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously you've recently just, just, uh, just been, and um, yeah, what, what a stadium. So I think they've always been on the, um, on the brink prime for success. Um, 
I think the first thing I'd do, I think, is I'd bring Harry Kane back to the Premier League. Ooh. Um, that'd be like what my number. If you don't want to come back, I'd drag him, mate. I'd drag him. He won't have, <laughs> he won't have a choice. I think. Look, you've left to win trophies. You're going to come here to win trophies. I'm going to pump a shitload of money into the team. Let's get past Arsenal. Let's get past City. And uh, and yeah, I think uh, I think Tottenham would be a, a team that's that's ready for that next big amount of investment because Daniel Levy seems to have hit a bit of a ceiling in regards to that. So I think Tottenham would be my pick and uh, just try and challenge City on that uh, on that spending front. Like it, get them over that line of being the bottle jobs and the nearly men and almost That's getting the there. And uh, no, I, I like it, mate. It, yeah. it, it, like you said, it was different, but I, I still think it's a very fair and valid answer, mate. And uh, yeah, not be bad to get uh, them box seats for the NFL games. For you, George, will it? Yes, please. That's that's the only reason I'm doing yeah. it right now. I've got I've got a long way around saying that, but yeah, it's just so I can watch yeah. NFL. That's all. Yeah, I've got it, mate. I've got it, and bring the Packers over every year. Like, yeah, 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 like, yeah, 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 yeah having that TK link up with Wembley for Jags. But anyway, um, so that's you, Sam. How do you feel? First question of the new era. How, how, how does it make you feel? Yeah, I think it went quite well, mate, actually. Quite uh, quite enjoyed hearing your... Your, all your flawed opinions on uh, on why, <laughs> why well, you're all wrong and I'm right. But there we go. Yeah, I think it went quite well. Yeah, that is what it is. Next up, Mr. Thomas Kemp, what is your question of the week? Are you going football? Are you going NFL? Or are you going to try and sprinkle a little combat and get an answer out oh. of Aggie? Yeah, I think uh, definitely on the horizon, I can see a little combat question. Yeah, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. But if I, but if I did that, I'd have to tell Aggie about six weeks in advance. So <laughs> but, but yeah, thank you, uh, Mr. Dawson. My question for you boys, and this is a question, and the reason that I bring this up is because when we were doing the the, the original, the OG, the old format of Loaded Sport, um, I briefly mentioned who I thought was the best player in Premier League history. Now, when I said who I thought it was, I thought the response from everybody else was going to be, yeah, but actually it wasn't, which is which is what led me to this question here. So my question is, who is the best player to ever play in the Premier League, but it's only based on their career whilst in the Premier League? Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'll start with... Sam, we'll start with you. I had a feeling you were coming to me. You know what? I've um, I've had, I've given it a good thought, and I do I do remember the conversation that you had with the with Thierry Henry and your and your, your man. I don't know if that's who you're picking now. I'd assume so, but um, and you know what? I'm, I'm, I will give you your flowers here because the more I have sat and thought about this this question, um, it is kind of coming to the forefront of mind quite more and more often, Thierry Henry. But for for the sake of variety, I am going for a different person I am going for Cristiano Ronaldo I think at his peak for Man United I personally don't think there's been a better player in the Premier League um, I was just looking through a couple of his stats to earlier 103 goals in uh, in 236 games 37 assists which averaged something like 0.6 goals per game so unbelievable involvement in the game ratio uh, it won the won the golden boot a two-time Player of the season, three-time Premier League winner, and he got player of the month six times. So just a couple of stats of him there. Obviously, United bought him. It was um, bought him from Sporting Lisbon, and he was he's shown flashes. And I think they played him played him in a in a friendly game, I think, and and they've seen a lot of, a yeah. lot of things they liked from him. Yeah. And so the story goes, uh, if you're not aware of the the actual story itself, is that they played him in a friendly game. Um, and it was actually Carlos Cuérez, the, yes. the former assistant, who suggested that they go and play Sporting and get kind of a bit of a relationship with them. So they went and played him in a friendly, 
Um, and obviously Ronaldo played for Sporting Lisbon and um, they they were playing and and I think he was playing against John O'Shea and he yeah. was absolutely fucking destroying John O'Shea, <laughs> like ruining him. And and John O'Shea was, Fergie was shouting to O'Shea, tackle him, get near him, come on, John, have it. And he's going, Gaffer, I can't, literally, I can't. <laughs> um, and I think the story goes and how true this is or not, maybe it's a folk tale, um, but in after the game, Ferguson wouldn't leave Sporting Lisbon Stadium until he confirmed that they were going to sign Cristiano Ronaldo. And apparently the players were waiting on the bus for about two hours afterwards while he was doing all the negotiations and stuff like that. But he was absolutely determined that he wasn't going to leave Sporting without getting Cristiano Ronaldo's signature. So so, so it's a good story about him. But Sam, just a, sort of a follow-up question on that, really. And yes, mate. Nobody can deny Cristiano's career. He's, he's going to go down when it's all said and done as one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, and I'm not going to get into any Messi-Ronaldo conversations here, but but um, in terms of his Premier League career, I think a lot of people maybe don't say Ronaldo purely because he was still quite, not early in his career, but he, he did go to Real, I would say, maybe just as he hit his peak or maybe yeah. just before he hit his peak. So what, what would you say to people who say, yeah, he's maybe one of the greatest players to ever play the game, but in the Premier League, Maybe we've not got a big enough sample size. Um, I think I think sample size definitely. I mean, like I say, two hundred and thirty-six games is is you know it's nothing to be sniffed at. That's multiple multiple seasons there, and um, and, and I completely agree with you. Um, United definitely didn't get the best version of Cristiano Ronaldo, which only speaks only speaks for himself. Um, for me, it was it was is being the greatest, um, and and he just hit another level when he went to. Uh, when he went to the Galacticos at Real Madrid and, and they just pushed on from there. So, yeah, yeah, for me, he, he's the greatest Premier League player of all time. And let's not forget, he, he was a right midfielder for probably 90% of the games he played at United. And he, he, and he, he was up, for pretty much all of them. Yeah, and um, and, and he, he was playing now, I think towards the back end, I'm sure, him and Rooney were played up top a fair bit. I'm sure he did. Um, and Park Ji Sung played played behind him at right mid, but but like I say that one that was towards the back end of like oh eight oh nine sort of thing. So uh, yeah, it, for me, it was the best talent. I think he had he had he had everything. He had he had the height, he had the power, the pace. He could head the ball. He had he could score with both feet, um, and he could score from about forty yard out as well. So for me, he was the complete package of a Premier League player and uh, and the most naturally talented. I think at his peak for me. Yeah, just to very, enough. very quickly put some context on what you said, Kent. But Ronaldo was 24 when he left United to go to Madrid. So just a bit crazy. of context there. That's crazy. Yeah. It is, isn't it? When you think of all the moments that he had for Man United and you think of all the amazing, legendary moments that he had for him, Portsmouth, Porto, you know, Champions League final, all these things that he did. And he left when he was 24. How crazy is that? But yeah, uh, Sam, really good shout there. Cristiano Ronaldo, Dos Santos, Aviero for you. Dawson. You are next on the. Uh, Aye, yeah, like. Um, I'm you gonna, saying. I'm rubbing my hands, mate, because I'm hoping you might disagree with me and might make for a bit of spicy content. But the man that I have gone for is, in my opinion, the greatest player to ever play in the Premier League is a certain Mr. Wayne Rooney. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'll get behind you. Yeah, oh. absolutely. Right. Um, Hang on, I'm just going to text Mrs. and just tell her I won't be coming to bed tonight because uh, <laughs> it's going to be a long one. We've got we're going to be a long one. It's going to be a long one. But yeah, go on, Dawson. Give us your reason as to why Rooney is the best player in the Premier League ever, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll educate you afterwards. 
Okay, no worries, <laughs> mate. No worries. Uh, my backup was Gareth Bale, just as a just as a oh, FYI. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> anyway uh, obviously Wayne Rooney made his debut for Everton at a, a sprightly young age of sixteen and scored that wonder goal against Arsenal that you may remember with uh, Clive Tilsley's infamous uh, commentary line of "Remember the name." Wayne Rooney um, and yeah had that big money move about 30 million to uh, Manchester United at just 18 years old 30 million not really looked at these days but back then was certainly a massive fee for a teenager um, and just yeah just phenomenal very similar really to, to Sam's reasons for Ronaldo third top scorer in Premier League history 208 goals Manchester United's all-time top score top goal scorer despite the, the plethora of phenomenal strikers and goal scorers they've had over the years um, speed Power, both feet, heading, exactly what Sam said there. His passing, his link-up play, his tenacity in, in defending and that teamwork and, and everything. It, it just the, <laughs> the, the, the... I can't think of the word that I'm looking for, but that Fergie sort of setup where he was everything to that. He could get up and down the field like nothing. He could ping a pass 40 yards. He, he could score goals from, again, 30, 40 yards or headers in the box or stick a foot out you know, in the middle of a, a big set piece and, and put the ball in the back of the net. Just absolutely everything I think you would want in a player. I know Kemp's going to bring in his lifestyle and what he could have done if he'd looked after himself. But look, not everyone is a modern athlete. Not everyone is a Cristiano Ronaldo who looked after themselves phenomenally. I think you can only base it on what he did do. And I don't think that you can undersell that because of what he might have been able to do if he didn't smoke or if his diet was good or whatever it is, you know, that we might downplay it. Third top goals, third highest top goal scorer in Premier League history with 208 goals, starting scoring at 16 years of age, had everything that you would want in a, a football player and quite arguably England's most talented footballer ever. I know a lot of people say Paul Gascoigne, a lot of people will eventually probably say Jude Bellingham, but Wayne Rooney is right up in there and he did deliver you look at the trophies he won, you look at the amount of Premier Leagues he won, it isn't like he was a wasted talent or he should have been something he never was. The stats say that he was. So for me, it's Wayne Rooney. Yeah, and, and that's fair enough. And I think, to be fair, I, I do want to correct maybe some people's thinking on my opinion of Wayne Rooney because I think people think that I hate him and I might have played up to that and, and, and whatever. But my opinion of Wayne Rooney, and, and it pretty much always has been from, from as long as I can remember, is that... I think he's. I think he is the most talented player that that England have ever had. I, I think he's more talented than Gascoigne, and and at this stage in his career, even though Bellingham's doing unbelievably well, let's not let's not get it twisted. I think when I first saw Wayne Rooney play when I was a young boy, I thought Jesus Christ, I've never seen anything like that before. Maybe a lot of us thought the same thing. Um, my issue with Wayne Rooney is that he had everything kind of going for him, and when he was young, you could see that work ethic, you could see that desire, you could see that drive. And again, you're absolutely right, Skinny, that, you know, yes, not everybody's the modern athlete, and I completely agree with you. I just think Wayne Rooney could have contributed a lot more, especially for England, than he did based on his talent. And the reason that I don't think that he did that is because he didn't possibly, he wasn't as professional um, as, as a lot of other players potentially were. And I think his talent carried him. Um, for a lot of his career. And again, I don't think he was a, you know, he was a very, very good player. He was a top player. Wayne Rooney was a top player. Let's not get it twisted. But my argument always has been, is maybe the, the what I define as world-class. So my initial statement on Rooney was that he was never world-class. And the reason that I say that is because world-class, in my opinion, 
is not, you know, oh, he's a really good player, so he's world-class, which tends to be a lot of other people's opinions of what world-class means. World-class is, are you the best player in the world at your position in that particular season? And for me, throughout Rooney's career, he was never that. That's that's just my opinion. He was never that. There was always somebody that was better than him. And for me, with the talent that he had, I, I think he could have he could have been that at some point if he'd have just worked a little bit harder and been a bit more disciplined. But I do want to throw something back at your skin. And there you mentioned that um, maybe my opinion on Rooney and my disagreement on Rooney might come from the fact that, you know, his work ethic, etc. But I just do want to run something past you. So he played for 13 seasons for Manchester United. Um, yep. I think it was uh, between 2004 and 2017. In those seasons, um, how many times in those seasons do you think Wayne Rooney scored 20 goals or more in the Premier League? Um, I don't think he ever did, if I remember rightly. So he scored 20 goals or more in the Premier League twice in oh, 13 years. Yeah. Now, now for me, for me, when you look at a top striker, the barometer of a top striker is a 20-goal-a-season man. That's that's what I think anyway. That's my personal opinion. For Wayne Rooney to be the best player in the Premier League ever, to have only done that twice. Are you sure about that? Out of Vegas, yeah. You sure, you sure about that? <laughs> Going I'm back sure off, about yeah. that? I'm, 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 I'm not sure. fucking right, God. <laughs> I am sure, mate. I, everything that I listed before, everything. We're talking everything. We're talking best player ever. Not best goal scorer, best just the best. But in his position, is ever. that not is that not best player ever to be? I'm going to, to I'm going to I'm going to throw this back at you then, Kent, because I yeah. think your definition of world class is flawed. I don't think the definition of world class is are you are you the best at your position in the world? I that's that's eleven eleven positions, and there's eleven world class players. I I I don't think that's the I don't think that's the definition of world class. And that's fair enough. And and, and again. I know my definition of world-class is different to a lot of other people's, maybe most people on the planet. But the reason that my definition is such is because the amount of times I hear people saying, oh, he's world-class. And he's and he's and they're really not. And I, I agree with that. And, I and do for agree me, with that. And for me, that's why you have to have that definition of, right, what is world-class? For me, world-class is world-class means that you are the best in the world, in your position, in that season. And And, and I don't understand and I don't get I don't know how we can kind of define world-class apart well, from in, that. Because, they, is, because the amount of pundits and shit that I see that say, oh, he's world-class. And they're talking about someone like James Madison. And yeah. fair enough, James Madison is a very good player. Let's take, got it, not get it twisted. But he's not fucking, he's, he's not world-class. So I, I think for me, you've got to put a number on it. You've got to define it. And for me, that's how I define it. And for me, that's why I probably disagree with all you boys that Ray, Ray, Wayne Rooney was never world-class. Purely because my opinion of world-class is probably different. Dawson, you had your hand up there. Yeah, just a very quick one, just off the back of what you've said there about strikers have to be goal scorers or, or not necessarily that, but you know what I mean. So um, Thierry Henry recently in um, CBS Champions League coverage, the best TV football coverage in the world, I think him, Cara, Micah, led by uh, Kate Ebdo, of course. Um, they were all asked who's the best player that they've ever played with. And Thierry Henry, despite the phenomenal talent he's played with, including Lionel Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, all that said, the best player that he's ever played with was Dennis Bergkamp, a striker, never scored huge amount of goals, but his talent and his contribution to the team is undeniable. So, would you then disagree that Dennis Bergkamp is world-class based on the fact that he's a striker and if we got up his goal-scoring stats in the Premier League, we're never absolutely amazing? 
I can't disagree with Thierry Henry's assessment of who the best player he's ever played with is because I've never played at top level and, and Thierry Henry has. Um, yeah. But what I can say is that I don't agree that Dennis Bergkamp was ever world-class because my definition of world-class is that you have to be the best in the world at that position. And for me, Dennis Bergkamp was never that. And and, and that's why I don't, don't agree with Thierry Henry in that respect. But again, I can't correct him or or guide him in, in who the best player he's ever played with is because that's his opinion and that's that's his career. And obviously he's seen it week in and week out on the training ground. And, and as we can all probably agree, Dennis Bergkamp, uh, he did very, very special things. So we, we can't disagree with Thierry Henry there. Um, unless there's any more conversation on Wayne Rooney, Aggie, you are the penultimate person to go in my best player to play in the Premier League ever question. So Aggie, your thoughts on the best player to ever play in the Premier League. I am going to stick with the theme of Manchester United. I'm going to go for a player that I feel to a lot of supporters is quite underrated in comparison to some players that have ever played in the Premier League. He made 486 appearances, retired, came back out of retirement and won his 11th Premier League title with Manchester United. I'm going to go with Mr Paul Scholes, who has only ever, uh, saw these stats earlier, only ever actually been caught offside twice in his career in the Premier League, which I think's that's amazing a, within that's itself. That's a mental stuff. Not, not bad for a CDM. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I'm glad you mentioned CDM because it brings me on to my ne- next stat. According to the Premier League's website, he's only actually made one error in his career in the Premier League that's led to a goal. In 499 Premier League appearances. For me, though, for me though, is that stat a bit opinion-based? Uh, no, mate, that's that's on the I thing. It be like, like, it's a stat. Yeah, an error that's led to a goal. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but what does that mean? Because if he's because if he's like if he's giving away a foul, and then from that free kick, like thirty seconds after that free kick, the other team scored, then do they do they do they include that or do they not? Like that's that's a bit wishy washy for me. Like, I ca- I cannot believe and don't and don't get wrong, again, we're going to let you finish in a sec, mate. But I cannot believe of all the things Paul Scholes has achieved as a footballer, the goal at Villa Park and <laughs> how many goals he scored, how many Bradford. won. Bradford, how many, remember Bradford. that one at Bradford? Yeah, Bradford. I, how many assists he got? The one fucking thing you brought up first is the fact that he's made one mistake. You <laughs> 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 silly cunt. No, no, no. I mentioned compliance, that because you said compliance, as a CDM. I, I mentioned that because you said as a CDM. So I thought it's worth chucking that in there. As you said, you know, only twice offside as a CDM. Compliant um, through and through, mate. Still scored 107 goals throughout his, his Premier League career. 65% of the games in which he's played in for Manchester United have resulted in a United win. Yeah, um, got that. Got that. I think yeah. at club level, at international level, I think sometimes he may be overlooked at international because of the Gerard Lampard combination. Yeah. That international, international skulls were just a farce, weren't it? Everyone knows that. It got it got so fucking unjustly managed at international level. Absolutely. They should have played. They should have played the entire team around Paul Skulls, not fucking sanding him out on left. So and, and we are mate. And how typical of it is that of English football in the 2000s, that <laughs> they absolutely flat out refused when they got maybe the best three centre midfielders in the world to play a 4 3 3. How English is that? No, we play, we're playing a 4 4 2, and that's it. Prime Bassett, Prime Bassett. Yeah. yeah. 11 Premier League titles, like two uh, Champions Leagues, three FA Cups. Um, I, I, I'm struggling to, to to poke holes in your Paul Scholes pick there, <laughs> to be fair. Um, just thoughts on, obviously, you've picked Paul Scholes, but for me, with Manchester United, especially in sort of the last 20, 30 years, there are a few options for, for players of that sort of ilk. You've got mm-hmm. your Scholes, you've got your Giggs, you've got your Gary Neville, you've got these players that were so consistent over that period of time. 
why is it that you've decided for you that Paul Scholes is is the person that you go with in that respect? And do you think that he was actually that good that he's he's better than a lot of the other players, maybe the flash in the pans or the the, the players that have not been here for as long? Do you? Yeah, really I think asked, can, can I answer good? this for him? Yeah, have, um, the answer is because they have one thing in common that he doesn't have in common with any of the other players that you've just mentioned, and that is they both love chewing toenails. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. I thought you were going to say, I, it. I thought you were gonna say they both drop cock out on pitch. <laughs> 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 okay, there anyway, you know I've got on. that because none, no. none of the pitches I have played on have got a massive dent in middle of pitch. So you know <laughs> yeah, I, anyway, sorry, continue. There's a couple of things that made it stand out for me. One of which is I've seen different reviews from players that have played up against him. Some greats like Zidane, like Perlo, that have all made comments about how great he was on the pitch. But for me, the one that defining factor was the fact that he retired from playing football. Manchester United, I think, was third or fourth in the Premier League. He came out of retirement and assisted United in that Premier League title winning side. And I felt that that, to be a player to be able to retire, come back out of retirement as a locker room leader, as somebody that can come out onto the pitch and change games and be so effective, I feel stands out. So that's why I've gone with uh, the Paul Scholes. Yeah, like and that's absolutely, absolutely fair. 466 appearances for Manchester United in his first stint. And then, as you mentioned, came out of retirement in 2012-2013. 33 appearances, five goals, and obviously, as you say, led Manchester United to their most recent Premier League title. And I think what a lot of people don't realise about Skulls as well, they were only five foot six. You know, know. Not, not, not at all, lad, at all. But played in the middle of that part with, with, with Kino and, uh, yeah, probably one of the best midfield partnerships of all time. Um, I'm going to go with mine now, and it's probably the most predictable of everybody's. Uh, I started this question by saying that the reason that I brought this question up was because of Thierry Henry and that I thought he was the best player in Premier League history. And my opinion in those few months since that conversation has not changed. For me, the Vavavoom will always be the uh, the most powerful um, emotion in the Premier League. And for me, Thierry Henry, albeit my, my love for Arsenal is not 100%, uh, is the best player to ever play in the Premier League. You look at what he did, some of the goals that he scored and, and just some of the magic moments that he created, that goal against Man United where he flicked it over his head and fucking volleyed it past Barthez, who looked like a little child in net. Um, it, it's uh, it's one of the best goals I've ever seen. And, and you look at his contributions for Arsenal um, in, the, in the time that he spent there, however many goals he scored. I've not even got the stats up in front of me because I don't feel as though I need to back back this one up, to be fair. Um, but yeah, Thierry Henry helped Arsene Wenger most definitely lead Arsenal to uh, to a few league titles. Um, I think one of the, the only thing that kind of goes against him maybe a little bit in his Arsenal career is that they never managed to win the Champions League, European Cup. Um, but he, he went on to do that at Barcelona anyway, didn't he? But again, you know, we are just talking about Premier League. So for me, Thierry Henry... Greatest player to ever play in the Premier League. Um, and it's maybe a bit controversial for me because I poked holes in your Ronaldo once, Sam, because he'd not played for in the Premier League maybe as long as you know other players. Um, a surprising stat for me that between 1999 and 2007, when Thierry Henry played for Arsenal, 254 appearances. Oh, OK. So he, 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 we, we all think he stayed there for ages and ages and ages, but actually he didn't probably stay the same there. Same as Ronaldo, that. Exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. You're exactly right. Um, but again, for me, I just think Henri's peak was when he was at Arsenal. 
when I whereas I think Ronaldo's peak was when he was at Real Madrid, which is kind of what probably tips the scales on there for me. Um, but yeah, I asked that question of you, Dawson, earlier. How many seasons did Rooney get twenty or more goals in uh, in that Manchester United team? Uh, Henri did that. He played less seasons. I think he played seven seasons in the end, um, and I think it was five out of those seven seasons he got more than twenty goals a season for for Arsenal. So you got the return there. And, and again, for me, I think what separates Henri to those other players is that a lot of the time. He, he, I had to do it by himself. Yes, he had unbelievable players with him in that Invincibles team and stuff like that. But the amount of times that Henri would just create something out of nothing um, is, is kind of what separates him out of the pack from me. So, uh, yeah, Thierry Henri is my choice, lads. Any thoughts? Yeah, so I think um, a lot of Arsenal fans are going to be coming for you with fucking daggers after saying he, he did it all himself. And you look at his no, Lumberg, I'm not saying that. Lumberg, Pires, Bergkamp, Vieira. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm it's not a bold, that. it's a bold state statement that is. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that, is that he didn't have to do it by himself. But there were rare occasions where he'd make something out of nothing. He'd create his own yeah, chances. Is what definitely. I'm saying. Whereas I think somebody like Shearer, for example, who scored so however many goals Shearer scored, 260. Yes, unbelievable goal scorer. But Shearer couldn't just you know make his own chances, run past two or three players and slot it in the bottom corner. He had to have good service. Unfortunately enough for him, he did. But uh, but yeah, that's that's like I say, what kind of separates him. So Henri, you know Perez. Uh, all the other unbelievable players, Bergkamp, you know, uh, no disparagement at all. Um, and no doubt Arsenal did have some, you know, Sylvan Wiltord. I was going to say Wiltord out of everybody. What a you know, player. What a weird, player. Weird, but yeah, uh, that's it for me. So yeah, that's that's mine done. Dawson. Penultimate question of the week belongs to the man with the mic, Mr. Adam Marsden. Aggie, what is your question for the group this week? Yes, I'm straying away from football ever so slightly and going to the National Football League. And I'm going to ask you, if you were to start a franchise tomorrow and you had to select a quarterback to lead your franchise, but that quarterback had to have been drafted either in the 2021, 22 or 23 draft, who is it you are selecting to lead your team forward? And Skin, I'm going to start with you on it. Uh, for me, mate, I, I had a look obviously up and down the list and a couple of the names that made my short list. And I did change my answer a couple of times. Uh, but I have settled with uh, the Indianapolis Colts' latest quarterback, uh, Anthony Richardson, uh, drafted number four overall this past draft. And for me, he is just the the modern prototype of what you want in a QB. He's six foot four. He's two hundred and forty four pounds. He's built like a linebacker, but he moves like a, an elite running back. And as well, he's got an arm as well. Speed, as I mentioned there, power in terms of how he can run inside that sort of five, 10 yards from the end zone. He's going to be a threat throughout his career, very much like a prime Cam Newton. Leadership as well. You see the stories that are coming out already since he was drafted early into this season. I know he's had a couple of injuries, but it it just seems like he's the kind of person that you want in your locker room, you want in your franchise, you want as the face of the franchise. And to go with that is he's ultra, ultra talented as well across most aspects of what you'd want in a quarterback. So, yeah, for me, if I'm starting a franchise tomorrow and I can take a quarterback that's been drafted in the last three years, Anthony Richardson is the man that I trust to, to get me where I want to be long term. I think um, I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said the words Cam Newton. I think um, I think you're a very very brave man if you're wanting to start your your franchise around um, Richardson. He's um, 
three out of the five games he's played so far in the NFL, he's had to leave due to three completely different injuries. I think the bloke seems to have made a paper. I think, um, same as Cam Newton, he's got every chance he could be out of the league in five years' time because he's just fucking, his play style is just so brutal that he just puts his body on the line every single play. And fair play to him to doing that, but he just, um, for me, he just seems like he's made a paper at the minute. And I think to base your whole franchise around that, I think that's like a bit of a roll of the dice for me. It is, mate, but sometimes it pays off. And let's not uh, let's not forget how good Cam was in his prime. And I think Anthony Richardson could be even better. Fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe so. Uh, Sam, we'll jump across to you for yours now. Yeah, um, I'm going to apologise this one because I, I, I must admit this is the one that I, I haven't got the most amount to prep for. But as I was having a good think around the league, I thought the last three years of, uh, of quarterbacks have been drafted and there was one clear standout to me. And and it, the buzz from him came way before his NFL NFL career and the buzz coming, in, coming into the draft around one Trevor Lawrence was just unbelievable. It was, it was one of them absolute nailed on number one. No one needs to debate who was going first it was always who was going who was going to be drafted second because he was he was going to be the guy that was going in uh, everyone said the words Andrew Luck I think it reminded everybody Andrew Luck coming into the league it was like that kind of it can't miss can't miss with with Trevor Lawrence and to be fair the first season he had in the league was pretty rough pretty rough um, just having a look at his stats I think uh, 21, 21 season 12 touchdowns and 17 interceptions which is a pretty pretty poor return it's um, Justin Fields level um, level kind of production that is but um yeah, it, it turned it around. Uh, he obviously was dealing with uh, Urban Meyer and all that background shit and yeah. one, probably the worst coaching staff in the league, probably ever in the NFL, actually. Probably the worst coach staff ever we've ever seen ever seen the likes of. And and to be fair to him, he managed to put that season to bed. It's next season, 2022 season, he come out 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and it just shown you what what can happen when you put a, a positive coach behind behind a quarterback. And yeah, for me, Trevor Lawrence, prototypical, he's, he's got the size, six foot six, six foot seven, built like a ton of bricks. Uh, <laughs> bit, 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 bit to it. <laughs> but yeah, for me, if Trevor Lawrence would be the guy that I am I'm banking my entire franchise on. Yeah, I think that's a great shout. Starting to pick up, of course, in uh, his third year in the NFL at the moment, just showing why he was the number one overall pick in 2021. Kemp, we'll come across to you for yours. Yeah, so from the number one overall pick in 2021, uh, we're going to take it to Mr. Irrelevant in 2022. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brock Purdy is my choice for my franchise QB for Kempe's, uh, Kempe's franchise uh, moving forward in the NFL. Um, yeah, as I say, Mr. Irrelevant pick up by the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Trey Lance looked like he was pretty comfortable in that role for the 49ers last couple of, well, last, last season. Um, but then Brock Purdy kind of took over last season and, and he's never really looked back since. Now Trey Lance is, is kind of out in the wilderness um, and, and Brock Purdy is, is the franchise guy. He's the one that they're going with. Um, since he's been playing in the NFL, uh, 22 touchdowns and four interceptions, which is really, really good going. That's a really fantastic stat line for me. Um, completion percentage of 69.3% and a passer rating of 114.4. Um, again, Mr. Irrelevant, six foot one, 220 pounds. So maybe not the, the, the you know, carve them out of stone quarterback that you could kind of build from the ground up. But for me, the stats don't lie. Um, and the stats, uh, the stats say Brock Purdy winner for me at sacrifice. So uh, yeah, I'm going uh, Brock Purdy as my uh, as my franchise QB. 
What do you say to the people that say he is a product of the system? Carl uh, Shanahan, probably the greatest offensive mind in football right now. The loaded roster offense, you could stick most quarterbacks in there and they're going to do a job. Uh, what what do you say to them people that say it's more Shanahan than it is Brock Purdy? I think you could say that a lot about a lot of really good quality quarterbacks in the past. I think the argument for Tom Brady for a long, long time was that he was a system quarterback. Yes, he proved a lot of people wrong when he went to the Buccaneers in the end, I think. But yeah, you can say that about a lot of QBs. And I think for me, even if that is the case, you've still got to make the throws, right? You've still got to do the business. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, he looks very, very calm. He's very, very, he's not very often under pressure, but when he, he is under pressure, he looks very calm. He's not flustered. He's not thrown one interception so far this season and we're through week five. And that's 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 really good going for me. Um but yeah I think he's got I think he's got it all. And I think from what I've seen of him, the interviews that I've seen and and the stuff that I've seen of him in his career, um he seems like he's got the right temperament as well. He seems like he's a good character. Um and you can't say that about a lot of quarterbacks. I think a lot of them have been kind of the stud uh, since they were a kid and, and it's kind of got to the head. So uh, for me, I think Brock Purdy, not just on the field, but off the field, will be a really good representation of the uh, of the franchise as well. So it all, all takes into account, doesn't it? Yeah, no, love that. And I think that the mindset as well from being Mr. Irrelevant, you know, you can think, oh, you know, at least I didn't go undrafted, but, oh God, Mr. Irrelevant, nobody wanted me. And it could really get to you. But, you know, he's used that as his fuel, anti, and And now look at him. He's firing on all cylinders, playing for one of the best two teams in the NFL at the moment, and he's leading the charge. Yeah, he's definitely coming to the league with a chip on his shoulder, hasn't he? Because of that. I guess there's less pressure as well when you go as the last overall draft pick to be able to just relax and settle into the uh, the league a little bit more. Now, I'm going to go with a guy that, uh, Sam, you've mentioned ever so briefly. I know you mentioned him quite a bit in the, uh, the preview show for the NFL. I'm going to go with Justin Fields. Um, I think that with the right leadership um, off-field, I think he could be a very good quarterback, much better than what we're actually seeing from him right now. He's obviously a very good runner of the ball, holds the NFL record for the most runs for a quarterback or the most rushing yards for a quarterback within a game. He's had 11 rushing touchdowns in his uh, two seasons so far. His touchdown to interception ratio isn't great, which is why I said that you need like a, a head coach and offensive coordinator that's going to be able to work towards his style. I think something that he hasn't been able to get with the Bears at the moment is you, the idea of a franchise is to build around your quarterback, play what suits them. And they're not doing that at the moment. And I feel like it, with the right leadership, Justin Fields could be a very good quarterback in the NFL. Now, I know he's not got a great tight, a great uh, offensive line, so I will kind of forgive him that. But he's mobile, so a, bit, a mobile QB can tend to hide deficiencies in an O-line. You look at Russell Wilson with the Seahawks, he didn't have an O-line for years and he managed to make that offense tick. Um the Bears have gone out this off-season and they, they spunked a load of draft capital and went and got DJ Moore. So they, they, they're trying to build around him. They, they brought in Chase Claypool last, uh, you know, mid-season last season. That's clearly not worked out. He seems to have personality issues and, and all different kinds of issues, really. But it does look, look like, the fact. I mean, like say, DJ Moore, he's, he's a number one receiver, he's a talent, and, and they, they sacrificed the number one pick as part of that deal to get him. So they have made certain moves to get him and Surely, we sh should we not be seeing a little bit more from him coming into where is it year three now? And you, you just it, it doesn't seem to have that that leadership quality where it can put the team on his back and, and carry the team. Would you would you disagree with that? To an extent, no. But again, this is only his second year in the league at the moment. And of the three of you, I, it was you I expected to make a comment about Justin Fields out of anyone. To be fair, always, as well. always, always going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like there should be a little bit more production that we should be seeing from him. But again, a 40-20 win that got that happened last weekend is a sign in the right, a point in the right direction. 
I just, like I say, with the right personnel, the right playbook to suit his style, like you say, he's a Russian quarterback that's very good on his feet, very quick on his feet as well. He can sometimes be a little bit... Um, his decision-making could be a little bit wrong when it comes to, you know, getting rid of the ball yeah. at the right time, that kind of thing as well. You ain't kidding. That's that's his, I think that's his worst part about his entire game. Yeah, his decision-making. So, I think there's potential there for him with the right personnel to point him in that right direction is what I'm trying to say with Justin Fields, which is why I've gone for him. Maybe. I think we've seen quite a few clips where he's stood there with the ball. It looks like he's had about eight seconds to throw it and there's receivers getting open all over the field and, and he's just not pulling the trigger. He's gun shy. He just seems to be, yeah. not know what he's doing. Not one, well, no one's pulled trigger. So maybe you are right. Maybe in a better situation, a better, more offensive-minded coach, he probably would do a bit better. So, yeah, probably agree with you to an extent. Um, I think I think that's the, the word I'd use for Justin Field, gun shy. I think that's yeah. the word that you've summed it up perfectly there because I think he's very mobile. He can run. We, we've seen that, but I think he relies on it a little bit too much at times. And I think he's like, mm, no, not quite, not quite, not quite. And he's like, shit, I've got to run, but it's all right. Cause I know I've got my legs there, but ultimately that doesn't work all the time. You know, if, if, if the opportunity is there to make that pass, make that pass, you've got to be more clinical. So for me, yes, there are issues off the field at, at Chicago and, and Tina Blessing's been talking about the coaching staff and uh, the inability to put a decent game plan together for the, for the vast majority of the season for the Chicago Bears. But yeah, Fields is going to be a top quarterback. He needs to, uh, he needs to know how to pull the trigger and, uh, and make the most of those opportunities. There we go. Uh, skin. Leaves me. I was last to come out on the wheel, so it does leave me. Now, you may have noticed, lads, I know you can't see everything, but our, our viewers, you may notice that I'm wearing a 1998 England home shirt, and I have got uh, the number seven, which obviously means David Beckham is on the back of it, a classic retro shirt. And we are, of course, at another international break weekend with England playing Australia and Italy over the next few days. So, I wanted to base my question around that. Uh, my question to you all is, who is your favourite England player of all time? And you're basing it purely on what they did in an England shirt. And Kemp, we have spoken many times on this podcast and off it about your thoughts on the England national squad and what they should achieve and why they're not achieving it and everything in between. But let's have some good England memories from you for, for a change. Who is your favourite England player of all time? And of course, why? Yeah, and I think I might throw people, quite a few people off guard with this one. Um, there are, obviously, there have been some unbelievable players who've played for England, but they've probably not shown their best colours while they've played for England, if that makes sense. We've talked about a few of them on the podcast already tonight, Skulls, Rooney being a couple of them. Um, but I think somebody who always does show up for England and, and always does show up in 100%, most vast majority of the time, is Harry Kane, um, England's top goal scorer. Um, I was tempted to go with somebody from history. I was tempted to go maybe like a Brian Robson or a Bobby Charlton or somebody like that, who's maybe, especially in Bobby Charlton's case, had a lot more success as an England player than Harry Kane has. But actually, I don't think it's fair for this conversation to go with somebody that you've actually not seen play for England yourself, which is why I landed on Harry Kane. For me, I think he's the only player really, or one of the very few players kind of consistently over the past eight years who's been just as good for his country as he has for his club. I think a lot of the time you do get a lot of players that, that play really, really well for the club, but actually when it comes to country, they can't quite do the same thing. Whereas for me, Harry Kane, although we do kick off about him dropping deep at times, um, he, he's always delivered the goods for, for England. 52 or 53 goals, I think it is now for England. Um, and then, like I say, he's the, the, the top uh, goal scorer um, ever to play for the, for the national team. Um, England captain... 
I've 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 said my piece on Southgate, but I think these players really, in spite of Southgate, have done okay. Um, probably could have done a little bit better, but I think Harry Kane has been in the epitome of everything that's been good about the England team for the past few years. And there has been plenty of good about the England team for the past few years. So for me, in my opinion, the current England captain and top goal scorer of all time, Harry Kane is my pick for best England player, in my opinion. Not um, best England player, your favourite England player. Well, favourite England player then. <laughs> There's know. a difference. I don't know how I feel about that, Harry Kane. I've never really thought of him as uh, as a favourite, but yeah, nice eight. Um, ultimate professional, isn't he? He's, he he epitomises the England captain. I think when he when he got the captain's armband, I think there was quite a few eyebrows raised at, at him being the captain. And was he mainly, you know, mainly from Adam? He doesn't like a striker having the armband. Yeah, no. yeah, 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 yeah. Tradition. Fifty nine goals. Fifty nine goals for England now. 59 in 86 games, which I think is really impressive. Unbelievable return. Unbelievable return. It is. And again, you know, I think I could have said Carl Walker. I could have said Jagielka. You know, boys that are quite close to my heart and and have wore the England strip. Former Sheffield United players that have come through the academy, etc, etc. But again, what do I want to see from an international player? I want to see them deliver for the internationals just as much as they do for their club. And for me, that's what Harry Kane's done. And again, I don't think there's many players throughout history that can say they've done that, especially for England. So, uh, so that's where I'm going with that one, Dawson. That's fair. Um, Aggie, similar. Well, I say similar. Sorry, the complete opposite to Kemp in terms of your assessment of the England team. You have spent your your around thirty years on this planet uh, constantly celebrating and chanting that it's coming home, and I've no <laughs> doubt that you will over the next thirty years and for the rest of the years that you spend on this planet. But um, who have you got as your favourite England player of all time? I have gone for a player that scored on a regular basis, despite being uh, plagued by injuries for England, from the under-15 level all the way through to England's first team and finished with 84 goals in 127 games. I am going for Michael Owen. He scored... Um... I think he's just included goals at every level. because he's, gonna, he's... I'm going to say, I'm thinking, 80-odd goals for England. I think it records like 59. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, he scored, that's across all levels, sorry. Yeah, in 127 games, um, across all from under 15 up to uh, when he played in the first team. Fucking I got him from a 14. Well done, mate, he's 13. I can't, I cannot, I cannot <laughs> believe I'm hearing of Mike Lowen's under 15 saying, goals. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is I was asked, based upon their England career only. So I've looked at every game that he's played for And England, you're the only bloke you know that would have took into account the performance at under 15 level. Let's just put that no, out No, I'm there, the only bloke on. that looks at him and thinks, you know, he was consistent at every level when he was playing for England. <laughs> Towards the latter stage of his career when he got hit by injuries, I know that was a little bit tough for him. Bear but other than that... Michael Owen's 43 now, so that's 30 years ago that Ag's talking about being yeah. being under 15. Who cares he is now? I'm not talking about now, am I? You're asking me a question, I'm telling you the answer. Shut up and listen. So in he scored. <laughs> he scored in sixty-six percent of the games that he's played for England. Immense team, or again, he still included everything. At the it's still all together, all together. It's still altogether. included everything. No, because the question was, the question yeah. was, is England career right? That's okay. not necessarily just okay. first team, is it? That's top to bottom. No, 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 that's right. I don't give that's a right. shit that's, if he's that's, played that's for right. England. At the right. young level, all the way up to the top, that shows his consistency at all levels, doesn't it? The, that, yeah, but the, que- the question Dawson asked was the favourite England player and what they did in an England share. So yeah, this you, is what he's done in England share. Okay, 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 okay. So the question is, as Sander said there, who is your favourite England player of all time? So Michael ask Owen. me this, 
right? Answer me this. Outside of the full men's national team, mm-hmm. how many games have you seen of Michael Owen playing in an England shirt at any other level than the men's senior team? I haven't. What are you talking about? So why man? are you bringing these fucking goals in? They're irrelevant goals. They're not irrelevant goals. You've not seen any of these games, any of these performances, but no. using that so, to base so it for him being from, your no. favourite oh, player. So based upon what I've seen of Michael Owen in England shit, from the games that I've seen, Michael Owen is my favourite England player. That's fine. Now just explain so, right, the reason that's why. That's fine. That's fine, but all these fucking stats about he's scored in 60, 66% of England games that he's played in, leave them at the fucking door, mate. He scored 40 goals in 89 games. It's still an impressive return. Yes, that's decent. But let's, but let's not talk about his eight goals at under 15 level, mate, because we don't <laughs> fucking know what happened there. He might have played against fucking Dog and Duck for England under 15s. You don't know. Carry on, mate. Carry no, on. Mate, no, mate, no, mate. Carry, my carry, carry, favorite, that's it. <laughs> Carry on trying to justify a perfectly reasonable answer in the most unjustifiable way ever. It's the, se- it's, it's the second time, though, isn't it? He's gone Michael Owen under 15 goals. He's gone poor goals that is only attributed to one mistake in the Premier Who's picking out these fucking stats? You, you, you said not bad for a CDM. And I was like, OK, Offside. fair enough. I'll give you a defensive stat for it. Mate, trust me, I did not pick out that stat. Let's not get it fucking twisted. No, 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 no. no, 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 no you had that, that, that locked no. and loaded. That was I like had the you stat. scrambling for it. I no. <laughs> The, the, issue isn't, the, stat. the issue isn't that I used that stat. The issue is that I used it as one of the main like opening stats. The reason I did that was because when I mentioned it, it had only been caught offside twice. Sounds like that's good for a CDM who obviously doesn't get forward much. So yeah, I thought I'd go for a defensive stat. Stupidest stats ever. So like, I thought I'd go for a defensive stat. Played for like 20 years and you're picking offsides and mistakes leading to goals. You're not talking about his goals, his Premier well, League, his Champions League. And now you're talking about it. Michael Owen when he was in fucking Never, I've never seen it like this. I've never seen it like it. Move Michael on. Owen, of all the shit we like poke fun at you and that, this is number one. Like, Michael Owen. I don't think Michael Owen's a bad shout at all. No, no, no. Again, again, you're getting it twisted. Michael Owen's a perfectly reasonable answer and if you'd have said I'm picking Michael Owen because he scored 40 goals in 80 games and my favourite player growing up that goal against Argentina blah 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 we would have said yeah fair enough mate can't argue with that but the fact that you've then said for his goals are under 15's level no, no, no. no I'm telling you fuck? how many goals he scored throughout his career I'm only telling you something and you're jumping on my back as if I'm trying to justify why he's the best player ever too fucking right we are too fucking right we're jumping on your back bad, that, it's, bad. it's not fucking uh, bad Aggie, if there's a positive to take from this, mate, we live in a world where... We're well, I can't answer you... questions. No, no, no. I'm, I'm trying to give you a compliment here, mate, and potentially something to look at doing in the future, but we live in a world where we're lacking unique content. So uh, <laughs> if you fancy setting up, say, a, a page on X that is about stats and just bringing out all these stats that nobody is talking about, it, you, <laughs> that's definitely unique, mate. So it's all right you saying you were going to get to Skulls' goals and assists and all this kind of stuff, but the fact that you opened with what you opened with, mate, that should have been a cherry on the top, maybe. But anyway, it's by the yeah, by. Move on, move on. Perfectly reasonable answer, mate. It's a shame that we had to get to it the way that we got to it. But anyway, Sam, we have had Harry Kane from the modern era. We've had Michael Owen from an era that has now been and gone. Who are you? Uh, who are you bring to the table as your favourite player ever to play for England? Favourite player ever. I wear this man close to my heart. Um, worshipped him as a kid. So we're going back. Just do the world a favour, mate. Stand up and just turn around and just show where. Uh, 
Just show the world. Just show the world. Just share. Am, am, I, am I literally sure uh, wearing sure it closer to my heart? On. Make sure you've got pants on. I, I, I haven't, mate. So if this is on the, if this is finally clicked on the gallery view, we fucked it, mate. But well, uh, it don't matter, does it? There we go. Check butty. Speak so they can <laughs> speak so they can see it. Hello, you all right? How are you going on? All right. <laughs> there you go. David Beckham is my all-time favourite. Hey, all right there. Can you yeah, you're it? all right, mate. You can yeah, sit back yeah. down. You can sit back <laughs> down. You don't, don't have to stay there for the rest of the fucking show. <laughs> my knees can't handle that. No, no, no. You're getting over me. Uh, yeah, David Beckham for me. Um, I absolutely worshipped the guy as, as a kid. Um, got all all the same hairstyles. Every every hairstyle he changed into. I, to, I got yeah, the Moe. Yeah, Moe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Got, got everything that he did. All, all my shirts were, were Beckham. Seven on growing up, um, United, couple of United and uh, and England, but um, just like just looking through a couple of um, a couple of things about him today again, and, and obviously recently watching the new Beckham documentary, which just brought back so many emotions and feelings that I'd forgot I had actually about that man, and I just you know when you you're looking at someone you you're like your hero growing up, I thought oh yeah, just, just watching that it were unbelievable. The, the free kick against Greece, I mean, I mean. I, Iconic goal, probably the most number one iconic England goal of all time. Uh, I still remember us going out to play football like the second that that game finished, and I was like, I, like this reenacting. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to be Teddy Sheringham, who obviously scored. And you were like, I'm David Beckham. Like when you used to try and be, and I, I still remember that as clear as day. Like literally yeah. within seconds of that game finishing, we were out and we were saying that. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Just, just absolutely love the guy from from an early age. The shit, obviously, you're wearing the infamous '98 shirt. Um, the shit he put up with in '98, um, from the media and, and and the English side of it was just fucking abhorrent. And this is pre-social media. Can you imagine like, that sort of thing today? I mean, there were no there were no care for men, men's mental health or yeah. anything like that back then. And we we saw it if you remember into with um, after the penalty shootout loss against Italy with Sancho Rashford. Yeah. And um, Osaka, like that, then was just fucking yeah, mad. But I yeah, suppose, so completely agree. I suppose it was really, but I mean, that's racism, is it? I mean, that that was something on a probably a larger scale, like yeah. in terms of society, intense attention from social media. Obviously, they didn't get it from the media side. That that was completely night and day. But in terms of that, just access from fans and yeah. But yeah, it, it, I think it, it was just going to grounds. It was like going on for like three, four months into the season. Like the, just, it weren't seeming to be letting up. And uh, I, I know the, the very first game he come back to England, it was at West Ham at Upton Park, and they absolutely buried him. And then and it was just bear in mind, they were what like twenty at the, at the time, not not even that. I think might have been eighteen or something like that. And it was just. It was a young young boy, really, that had put up all this shit and it kept up. And a few years later, he became the England captain. And I thought, you just knew he always wore the, 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 uh, the armband with pride. And I think it comes through in that documentary that the one thing he really loved more than anything was playing for his country. That that was like his number one. And he was, uh, yeah. he was 23, mate. I've just very quickly done a check. 23, was Very young. Very, very young indeed. And um, and I do remember um, they, they did a bit of a class project um, back in in primary school. And me and Jay Chadburn, a little uh, throwback from the past, we, me and him yeah. were always proper Beckham fans. Every, we'd always have the same air and everything like that. And um, and one of the class projects was to write to your to your hero. 
and um, and we wrote we wrote to David Beckham, and they wrote back. I mean, I don't think it was him to be honest. I think it was probably his PR team, the United's PR team, and I got like some cards with his signature and loads of things. And, and you know what? I fucking lost him, and, oh. and I cannot think what I've done with him all. I'm and I'm a bit heartbroken about that, and I've got them open. I'm open at the mum and dad's house because I would like to dig them out one day. But I, I remember when we moved out, I, I can't ever remember seeing him, so a bit gutted about that. But yeah, David Beckham for me. He was uh, watching that documentary brought back so many so many feelings that I had for the man, and uh, it was one of the one of the main reasons why why I, I got into liking football in the first place. So yeah, it's um, love the man, David Beckham. Like it, mate. I probably should have saved that for for the last answer. To be fair, great answer <laughs> and, and great reasoning. That's how you do it, Aggie. Um, but anyway, um, so I suppose I'll close us off. And, sorry, um, I've got. A, I've got. A, sorry, oh, I'm going to have to interrupt you. I'm going to have to interrupt you, Sham. No, 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 you've, give, you've given us some fantastic memories there. Some good starts. It's all fantastic. But I think what the viewers really want to know is how did how did David Beckham get on at under fifteen level? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not great, mate. Not great. Struggled, struggled. Didn't get to United till they were fifteen. Well, you better so. fucking pick another one then, aren't you? That's just... <laughs> yeah, no good, is it that? Well, absolutely not. So uh, I'll close us off, in, and I've gone. To, Aggie, you've obviously gone goal scorer. Kemp, you've gone for the top goal scorer of, of all time. Sam, you've gone for an absolute behemoth and an idol. But again, changed my answers several different times. Owen did pop into my mind. Beckham, of course, as well. But then I thought, throughout the years, when have I been the happiest as a, as an England fan? And, of course, we look at the 90s. My first tournament was 1998, a tournament that even now I have vivid memories of. Michael Owen scoring that goal against Argentina that you mentioned earlier, Sam. Then you look at the golden generation during the during the 2000s, or certainly, you know, early to mid-2000s, and your Rooney's, your Gerrard's, your Lampard's. But... They disappointed. They never got to the level that we expected them. So I couldn't I couldn't put my, my name to a player. So again, going back to that earlier question that I mentioned there, when was I happiest as an England fan? And it was World Cup 2018, the best summer of our lives, lads. The beautiful weather, the tournament, the hope. Going into it with not really much hope at all after what happened at Euro 2016 and that embarrassing loss to, to Iceland. And just everything about it, the atmosphere. Sam, we were obviously right there watching every game. Kemp, I think you were there for a couple, if I remember rightly. And then Euro 2021, you know, all being together watching it again. And, and that squad, and again, we have, we have the conversations now about what Southgate's done and has he taken them as far as he can. But my, my happiest time as an England fan were those two tournaments. And a man that was writing in amongst it, showed the passion, showed the skill, was a big reason why they got to where they were and was a real leading light. It might be a bit weird that I'm naming this player as my favourite ever England player, but I've got to go for Jordan Pickford, lads. Wow. Wow, really? Wow. Yeah. You know, you know what? As you're saying, the 2018 and, and 2020, 2021 Euros, I'm going round and I'm literally thinking in my head at the position, I'm thinking, I, I can't think of who who this is going to... Obviously, Kemp's Kemp already said uh, Kane, so I knew you wouldn't want the same answer as him. And Jordan Pickford, wow. Yeah, it's, um, shed a bit of light on that one. I just just everything, you know, we, we always talk about his passion in an England shirt, how he dictates the team, the the game plan was built around him being at the back and having that skill with his feet. Euro twenty uh, sorry, World Cup twenty eighteen, that big save in the last minute against Colombia. Uh, obviously they went on to score from a corner, but that wonder save that he made, the the 
save in the penalty shootout, which was such a big relief. Like we couldn't believe it. We'd finally seen England win a penalty shootout and he made that massive save to to obviously give Eric Dyer the chance to win it for them. Uh, Euro 2020 slash 2021, he was phenomenal. Didn't concede a goal from open play um, until the final. And for me, if you actually go back and watch that, that goal, he made a world-class wonder save, which unfortunately then rebounded for Italy to poke in. But if you actually see the save, and then again, two saves in the penalty shootout. Jorginho stepping up. We were all there. Star car park, shit weather. Couldn't believe it. England were a penalty shootout win away from winning the major tournament finally. And Italy needed to score to win. And Jorginho stepped up and we all looked at each other as if to say it's over. We know how good of a penalty taker he was, but Jordan Pickford stood strong, didn't fall for his technique, didn't fall for the stutter, and he made that save. So, again, we can talk about who actually produced for England, the big moments and everything else like that, but if we're talking about a favourite, I have to relate that to what made me happiest, and that is the modern era team and whose individual input to that made me happiest, and a lot of it led back to Jordan Pickford in those moments. So, yeah, probably an out-there shot, and if we put it to our listeners and our viewers and we put it on social media, I probably won't get back much. From, but for me personally, I, I've got to give him a shout-out. Yeah, I see. I think it's definitely an outside shout. Um, I think the conversation definitely going into Euro 2021, as it were, is, is pick, should Pickford be number one? Um, his performances for Everton that season, I think, have been pretty subpar. Um, and I think the conversation was around where we've got Pope, we've got Ramsdale, who's who's looking pretty good. Um, should Pickford be the number one goalkeeper? And to be fair, uh, while while ever Pickford has played for England, I think he's always done pretty well. And and for me, Southgate's always talking about picking players on form, and I don't want to get onto that fraud um, if I don't have to. But I think Pickford, with the performances that he's put in for England. I can I can definitely see why he's, he's up there as one of your favourites. But uh, yeah, I think it's a bit of an outside shout when you think of all the players that have played for England over the years. But as is your right, as is your I, right. I respect it. It's funny. It's funny actually because um, as you mentioned the, the Columbia penalty, um, we we as you say we we watched it at the uh, the Sherland Welfare RIP. Um, yeah. But um, I'd got it recorded at home so I could go back and watch it, and uh, went back and I've I watched the penalty shootout about five times. Can just kept rewinding it and watching it and I, I sat and watched it that many times obviously Katie was with me that one of the one of the lines on the commentary when Pickford makes the makes the final save it's big big right hand or strong right hand or something like that strong right hand I think it was and um and now every time me and Katie like watching football football and a goalkeeper makes a save no matter which hand it is or which foot it is <laughs> she straight away goes oh yeah big right hand and it's just like it's always just harking back to Jordan Pickford so that just uh it just always makes me think of that yeah, absolutely. I know it's an outside shout, but I'm sticking with it and, and I'm happy with it. But uh, lads, that's episode 72 in the books, the new era of loaded sport. And uh, I don't know about you lot, but I've quite enjoyed that. Mm. Good, mate. Very good. Good. Happy yeah, day, definitely, so. definitely enjoyed it. Obviously, uh, if, if anybody wants to provide their feedback, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that sort of thing, we'd like to hear your feedback on the new format and uh, and how it compares to the uh, to the OG format. It'd be interesting to see what you thought. But yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed it and I think it's made a very nice change. And uh, even more importantly, probably, is that share your answers to the questions that we've asked tonight. It'll be, uh, it'll be good to hear and maybe someone out there has, uh, has backed Jordan Pickford as well. No. We'll, we'll, we'll no. soon find out. No, no. Maybe it's mum and dad. Yeah, no. I'll uh, I'll stick with that then and I'll, I'll claim that one. But anyway, lads, weekends. Sam, I'm going to come to you first, mate. What you got planned for the weekend? 
Um, I think this is about a fourth time in a row that now since Skeg, isn't it? I think this, ever since I've come back from Skeg, I've had the exact same answer to you. And yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to do anything this weekend. Um, I've not got any plans. I know the weekend after I'm going out for a meal, so I know I've got plans then. But in terms of this weekend, um, it's going to be a little watching a lot of sport, probably a lot of England, um, NFL on Sunday. The thing that's pissing me off the most is that Packers are on a bye week, so NFL is going to be a bit more drab this week with that. Uh, with that my boys being able to watch and I've not watched them since the Thursday before I went to Skegness which was a feels, feels like forever ago so, so they played on the Thursday then they played on Monday night football this Monday just gone and fucking the less said about that the better and now they're on a bye week so it's been it's going to be about a month since I've I've last watched them so there we go you'll be uh, you'll be chomping at the bit as they say um, to to do that Denver next and all week. Denver next game you fucking want want to win in that don't you yes it's a winnable game that Aggie what have you got planned for the weekend mate um, I've got the weekend off from doing football commentary but I've got Phoebe's fifth birthday party on Saturday then she turns five on Sunday just to make you guys feel old because you've known me since she was uh, I think she was just born weren't she when I first met you guys but yeah she's yeah. now five so that's time has flown so that's pretty much my weekend occupied and spoken for Yep, should be pretty busy, mate. Kent, what about you, mate? Well, for the first time in a long time, I've got absolutely nothing planned for no. this weekend. Ooh. Mate, look forward um, to it all. I am, I am. No golf. I'm going to take a bit of a break from that. I'll uh, I'll go out for a bike ride on Sunday, probably. Um, and then just, yeah, just bits and bits of England, bits of the NFL. Um, there's a, a bit of YouTube boxing taking place on Saturday night. So yeah, while, while, ever I te- while ever I tell myself that I'm not going to watch it, um, the the better half likes watching uh, likes like watching a, a car bit of crash. She likes watching a bit of misfits. She likes watching the car crash boxing. All the technical uh, proficiency from the professional boxers. She's not quite happy about that. She just wants to see two idiots going there and start throwing leather. So uh, we'll probably watch that on Saturday night as well. Dawson, yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, it's me saying Dawson, not a, not a big enough like no, you. I wanted to check, mate. I thought you were just handing it back to me to say goodnight right. to everyone and then and right. hit stop and record. But a um, little bit of little bit of this, little bit of that. I'm going for a curry tomorrow night, um, and gonna uh, watch a bit of telly after catch up on a few things that I've not been able to watch. Saturday, it's uh, FA Cup weekend, lads, with the international break. It's the fourth qualifying round for a place in the first round proper. We're going to see Chesterfield take on the mighty Kettering Town from the seventh tier. How so much are they charging for that? You might be happy with this one, mate. Uh, for yeah. children, for under 16s, it's Hang on, £6. hang on, hang on. I'm not under 16, so... Michael Owen will be fucking gutted. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So you're glad I said it now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Go on, then. Under 16s is £6, um, and adults is £12. And also... They have reduced beer on the concourse for the day, and it will be three pounds fifty a pint. So I'll uh, I'll supper. Reducing and, uh... beer to three pound fifty is a bad state to be in, isn't it? Thatcher's Britain. Thatcher's Britain. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'll be I'll be watching that, mate. Potential cup set on the cards, but I was uh, I was there last season for the second and third round games, and they played very very well. And with it being at that level, obviously not huge amounts of squad depth, so should be a relatively comfortable win. But we'll see. Uh, and then Sunday, just usually really nice and chill. Take it steady, cook a bit of a dinner in the evening and get the feet up ready for red zone at six o'clock. Can't wait. So yeah, 
That's uh, that's my weekend. But lads, that's episode 72. That's a new era of Loaded Sport. And of course, let us know your feedback. Let us know your answers. And um, start prepping. Aggie, you've got a week, mate, to start prepping your questions. So plenty of time. Um, but lads, have a good weekend and have a good week. And I'll see you next week. Enjoy your night. Enjoy your night. Enjoy your night. <laughs>